uh, you know, I have my husband here on earth. There's only one man I'm trying to meet, and I'm not trying to meet him real soon. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> Before they get in your business, be in charge of your business. Own it because it's your business, your business, business. For today's show, we have a senator, not a real senator, but he goes by the senator. His name is Harrison Barnes. He's an NBA champion. He's done a lot of things and he still continues to do a lot of things. So we're going to talk to Harrison Barnes about his path. He's never had a drink of alcohol until he won a championship. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about his experience of being an entrepreneur. He made the Forbes list. There's so many things we want to talk to Harrison about. And then we also are going to talk to Jasmine Crow, the founder of Gooder. And man, when I tell you, Gooder is all over the scene here in Atlanta. They partner with the Atlanta Hawks. They're doing big things here in Atlanta. We're also going to bring it to the pod, baby, because we love to bring conversations to the pod about what's going on. Check it out. Don't touch our hair. What up? What up? What up? Listen, it's Black History Month. Happy Black History Month to everybody out there. We're excited. We have a lot of things that we're going to be doing this month with the Renee Montgomery Foundation, but we got an exciting episode today. So let me just start out by saying there's a lot going on this Black History Month. Brian Flores hit the NFL with a whole lawsuit just to start the month off right. There were players like Darius Slay who said he's with him. We're with him because this is something where it was going to happen eventually. And Brian Flores said he's a young coach. 40 years old is young to be a coach in the NFL, but that's what he is. And he understands that he might not ever coach in the NFL again, but he feels that it's that important to do so. So again, just like Darius Slay said, I'm with you. We're with you, Brian Flores. And then to that point, The reason that I get so excited about Black History Month, other than the obvious traditional reasons of why it has a special place in our heart, is because last year on Black History Month, on February 9th, I retired from the WNBA. Yes, I cried all over this podcast on Remotely Renee, shed a lot of thug tears, you guys saw it. But then on February 26th, that's when I we had made the announcement to the world that I was going to become co-owner of the Atlanta Dream. So February Black History Month not only has a special place in the Montgomery and Company family's hearts, but not just for that reason, but for so many other reasons. It changed just the course of everything for me. It changed the course of sports. It had representation in the front office. And when you look at what's going on in the NFL and Brian Flores, you see how that representation matters for positions of power. So I digress. It's Black History Month. Let's go! There's all kinds of discussions that happen on social media at all times. There's always a discussion. There's always a goat chat. There's always who's the best. There's always a this or that. So we like to bring those discussions to the podcast, which is a little thing we like to call bring it to the pod. The question that we're bringing to the pod is, are you showering in the morning or are you showering at night? Serena, which one you doing? I always shower at night. I always shower at night because I feel like, uh, well, I don't know. 
I take multiple showers a day. I will say that. So I do do one in the morning and one in the night. But when I am just really, really just like in a rush or whatever, I feel like it's pointless to go out in the street and then come home and get in your bed and not even take a shower. So I definitely do nighttime showers for sure. Cole, what you doing? You showered in the morning, you showered at night. You know, pre-pandemic, I would... <laughs> I would do a shower in the morning and then depending on what I did, if I was at a football field or somewhere, I would take a shower in the evening. But if I was not, I would just do like a wash up, then go to bed. But now I got to take a shower every night and, and I'm not moving around as much. So I still it's got to be a night. It's got because in the morning it's too hectic. Got to be at night. You know, that's interesting because pre pandemic where, you know, a lot of people now are working from home. A lot of people now are not doing their same movements that they might have done pre pandemic. I do see how that could change things. Snookabooka, what you doing? You showering at night or are you showering in the first thing in the morning? I have a little different answer. It's seasonal. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. How is it seasonal? In the summer, I take a shower at night and in the morning. So I take two showers a day usually because, you know, I garden and I'm, you know, I'm outside and digging around and stuff. So I take one at night and then I also take one in the morning. In the winter, I usually take one at night because uh, I found that I used to think that when I took a shower in the morning and I went outside, I was prone to catch a cold real easy. So I usually shower at night, wash up in the morning during the winter. So, you know, like I said, everything I do mostly is anything is seasonal. <laughs> so seasonal snook is what Paul called her. From now on, we're going to call her seasonal snook. It depends on what season is. Think of what kind of snook a book are you going to get. That's what we just found out. She ain't the same on summer, winter, spring, and fall, baby. You got to catch her on a particular one to know what snook you going to get. Okay. Apparently, that this shower of- topic is big. I mean, Mila Kunis is all over the place with this mm. shower stuff. And on yeah. I was and just resurface. about to say that. So how do you guys feel? about this new phenomenon that I just found out and maybe a lot of people already knew this but a lot of celebrities don't think that you need to shower every day they think that that's a little bit overkill so I'm curious so let me just set the table something came out for some reason or another that because you know on social media we love to overshare when we have interviews we overshare on this podcast I will be oversharing with you guys so get ready but in that (laughs) oversharing I found out that a lot of people but Even more so, a lot of celebrities don't shower every day and they're defending as to why. And they also said that they don't shower their kids every day and they defend why. Now, their reasoning is that, you know, it's not necessary. Yes, we brush our teeth. Yes, we wash up, you know, conserving water. I've heard I've heard that you don't even get that dirty. I heard that there's not even especially in the pandemic. I've heard all the excuses. I've heard all the reasoning. I didn't know that showering was a debate. I didn't even know that showering was an option if you could have the ability to shower. So I'm curious, what are your guys thoughts? Because uh, let me just say, as for me, Baby, I watch Naked and Afraid on a regular basis, and mm. they're 21 days in the wild. And one of the things that I think breaks down the, the the contestants the most is that imagine being dirty for so long. Imagine having to use the bathroom and imagine having to do things and you can't clean yourself up. Imagine just living in a certain, you know, wild. And, and again, they're naked. So that adds a whole nother element to it. But imagine all the things <clears throat> that drive them crazy. And then are you telling me that people are volunteering and doing it on purpose for no apparent reason? 
I'm mind blown. I can't believe it. Cole, tell me what's going on. What's going on? So, yeah, the celebrity thing I heard also is because they said if you can't see the dirt, it's not necessarily that you need to wash. (laughs) That is by far hogwash because just like you said, Oh, you have a smell. Sometimes you just have a smell. I have a little, I have sons and they could be sitting still playing video games and then they have a smell. You have to wash. Oh, it's yeah. just, it's just, you have to wash. And then it doesn't, it's not saying that you're necessarily like filthy, dirty, but you need to wash. You just need the hygiene. Your body <laughs> excretes stuff that needs to be expelled. I'm just, I don't get it. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I'm just telling you if anybody in my household came to me and said you know I read this thing we don't need to wash anymore I'd be like well in my house we're gonna wash and I will let you down for me in my house we are going to shower over here baby clean every day like Cole made a good point junior when he gets on the games and gets in his try hard mode yes that that starts the sweating any video gamers y'all know you don't have to leave the house if you want to you don't have to leave the house I'm just saying like you can smell and have just been in the house all day. That's a real thing. Bodies, like you said, create smells. So there's there's that. I'm just saying. Thank you. Okay. Well, <laughs> let me add to that. Uh, like I said, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a dermatologist or none of that. But it seems to me that the reasons people, people wash to begin with is because your pores need to be cleaned so that your body can breathe. And so that's why we have soap and water. And that's why your pores excrete or whatever. It could be sweat dead skin or whatever. Cells. And, mm-hmm. and dead skin cells need to be removed or else you'll be like pretty soon after a while, these people might look like crocodiles all that still and stuff you know build up on you you know and and you can imagine people who go to the spa and get their feet done that crust that builds up on your feet from you just normal wash. wear and tear or whatever <laughs> and they get that scraper you and they're wiping what? that stuff off and you look it's like oh my god all that stuff came off my foot yeah, it came off your foot because you haven't removed it. So your skin, you know, if you don't bathe or anything and these dead skin cells pile up, like I said, pretty soon you'll have reptilian skin. <laughs> oh, my God. All of this is giving me flashbacks to, like, fifth grade when, like, kids used to smell and I used to be, like, sitting next to them. And I, and I did not know that people don't shower every day. I, apparently, <laughs> now I know that Things people are making that, sense I'm now. Like, oh, my God. I'm sorry people if I hurt anybody's so feelings. I really do apologize but that's just the way I feel about it <laughs> oh wow not snook with the 10 second 20 second apology delay <laughs> he basically said you the reptile and then Sam she goes I mean Serena's gonna say oh well that's why people were sticking in fifth grade yeah I'm like oh my god why do people have like B.O. like I don't I didn't get it I didn't know that people didn't shower their kids every day you know I didn't know that that was a thing because we it was mandatory showers every oh. night in my mom in my mom's oh, house yes. my mom did not play about hygiene like I had an older <laughs> brother she would literally get him up I like by whooping if he didn't take a shower before bed no yeah. she don't play the that. best part of waking up <laughs> let me tell you well let me just well, it's let me, a whooping on your body she almost made me sing 
<laughs> well, let me I just, was waiting. I mean, yeah, we was waiting for it, but uh, but let me just say also with that showering thing. Does anybody remember the Black Plague? I mean, they weren't showering. They were not bathing, <laughs> and that's what took out millions of people. Then you oh wonder why gosh. crazy stuff comes back. It's like, why did you revert back? We get rid of all this stuff by washing, and all of a sudden you don't feel like it's necessary to wash. So crazy stuff starts happening. Like, oh, we've had a pop up of this disease. It's like, oh, because the people in this area are not washing. Like, yeah, we what? create our own problems yes. and we need to stop it. Everyone stop. If you have the chance to shower daily, it is our opinion on Montgomery and Company that maybe you should do that. But if it's your household and you do what you want do in you your please. household, do what you want. Don't shower then. That's your choice. <laughs> the last thing I would like to bring to the pod, you guys, and this one, I mean, it was viral to the point where Jay-Z himself had to chime in. So the question at hand that we're going to bring to the pod is, would you rather a dinner with Jay-Z, Rock Nation, Beyonce's husband, the man himself, would you rather a dinner with him or would you like somebody to deposit $500,000 cash money into your bank account? Now, this might sound like a simple question for some people, and I thought it was, but when I was checking social media, I found out that the answer I started seeing more and more and more was, are y'all crazy? Dinner with Jay-Z. This is the easiest question ever. And I was like, again, we have to bring it to the pod because things I see on social media shock me every day. So I saw answers that said, well, of course it's going to be Jay-Z because I want to pick his brain about everything that he's done, everything that he knows, everything going on in his world. I saw some women saying, of course, Jay-Z, because they wanted to see, you know, what it's like being on top of the game. I heard that he has connections. I heard that he can open doors. I heard that all these other things. So I want to hear what you guys would choose. Are you going with dinner with Jay-Z at a restaurant of your choice or $500,000 in your account? Snooker Booker, get the party started. What you choosing? Okay, well, this is the way I look at it with, with Jay-Z. Fine young man, as far as I can tell from what I read in the press. <laughs> but, you know, uh, my thing is, you know, Jay-Z uh, has a wife, and if I were a younger woman, I might want to see if I could maybe make some uh, inroads in there. But since I'm not, uh, I don't see what anything I could do. I mean, what it, it, him telling me what he's, his life is like or how he made his money or whatever is not doing anything for me. So I'm kind of, <laughs> you know, I'm going to join that me, 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 me generation and say, give me the $500,000. That's something that would make Make me really endeared to Jay-Z. Paul just hit the group and said, I'm calling Ron right now. What did Snoop just said? If Jay-Z wasn't married and she could try to see if that date could be a dinner date, she might be a little bit interested. But the man is married, so she has no interest in seeing. She's saying if she was young and single, because we know my daddy and Snoop been married for 40 years, plus going strong. Cole, what are you deciding? If you had a chance to have dinner with Jay-Z or somebody to give you a half a Melly, what you choosing? I'm mad that this was even this was even something to talk about. <laughs> you need the money. Why? Why? Me and my daughter him just telling like me Nikki. what he did and what he can do, unless he tell me he's giving me a cut of everything he do on any other venture from now on from that dinner, then it'd be worth the dinner. But if I'm just going to eat and you go look at me, I'm going to look at you and I'm going to ask how the kids are doing and all that. 
give me my money. As a matter of fact, give me my money. I'll go to a concert, pay a VIP backstage and do the same thing on a quick quick and be done with it. That's how I'll do. There you go. I'll give me my 500 I Cole said, give her her 500K. She will use that money to go to a concert with Jay-Z where she will get backstage patches and have that meeting that y'all paid 500 for. <laughs> Serena, what are you choosing? Um, obviously the money because if I got the money, I could buy myself a dinner with Jay Z. What? Okay. I, well, I, I don't know like, about that. Let's go. Now. Let's go to dinner. I'll, I'll hit and be like, get me the contact for Jay Z's camp and invite them out to my party on my yacht or whatever, whatever, whatever I gotta do with my five hundred thousand dollars. I think that is the exact opposite of what the question is asking. Nobody can just get a meeting with Jay-Z, as you guys should know. Well, this is Jay-Z. Well, so you're I not, can. it's either, well, look, like it I said, It depends okay. on what you do with the money. It depends. So the question is, everybody's taking $500,000 yes. instead of going on a date with Jay-Z. Jay-Z himself chimed in because, to Cole's point, you couldn't believe that it was a thing on the internet. I couldn't believe it was a thing. Jay-Z couldn't believe it was a thing. And so it was very interesting that everyone said, take the money on this. Jay-Z himself said, y'all need to stop playing. Take that money and stop playing with me. So Jay-Z himself said, See? he would have taken the money. Y'all should take the money. What are y'all talking about? But the internet will do things and make you think that things are a real thing that aren't a real thing. And that's why we bring it to the pod. Renee, you didn't tell us what you was going to do. Oh, you know what? I forgot. <laughs> I didn't tell y'all. What's understood ain't got to be explained. And that's a Jay-Z line to say, I'm going to take that money and I'm going to build me something and to that point I'm going to try to build something if we're in the lines of if the whole goal was Jay-Z well we know The Rock we you know we know everything that they're doing so I'm going to build me something to where he and I can work together you got to create your own table so I'm going to build my own table then ask Jay-Z does he want a piece of that and then that's that's how I want to do it so yeah like well she was saying that she wanted she was going to get the money and then invite him to his yacht I was talking hypothetically I think Cole understood my Point. You it, take everything it. too literal. Thank you very much. I'm saying is is what my you bad. do with it. My bad. And I was going to say if I had to meet, but I wouldn't care about like I love Jay Z. It's great and all, but I don't care enough to meet Jay Z. That's just I don't care to meet really anybody. Issa Rae, I would love to meet. So. Now, ask me that question about Issa Rae, and I'm going to still take the money, but it would be interesting. But Jay-Z is different because I know that some people, like, you know, he's their world. And, like, Jay-Z, meeting Jay-Z could change their life in a sense of some people just need words of encouragement. And if you can get that from, you know, your goat or whoever you consider, by all means. But like I said, as for me... I'm going to take my money and there I'm going to build and I'm going to toilet Jay-Z at a, at a music awards or something. I don't really care to meet Jay-Z in a sense of if it happens, I would love to, but I ain't going to pay 500,000 real dollars cash money to do it. That's it. Uh, you know, I have my husband here on earth. There's only one man I'm trying to meet and I'm not trying to meet him real soon. <laughs> Oh, I love that. <laughs> Jesus! And I was going to say also, if you meet Jay-Z, was to say that he is going to spill his right. secrets of life and all that Crazy stuff. Enough. Like, we've met plenty of celebrities that don't say nothing about their success. They don't want to share how people do. And if they do, they kind of do it in plain sight. They do it through their social media. They do it through Masterclass. They do it through those kind of books and motivational kind of things. You know, they do it through their music. So if you pay attention, you know where to look you know but when you meet them 
it just depends on how you maneuver that situation because they're not just gonna spill all their secrets of life to you like right then and there. It's a it's a lifelong. He dropped the black album, then he back yeah, he dro- out he it as the, the best rapper already. alive. Better ask about him, Jay Z. We know you're one of the best rappers alive. You dropped the blueprint. You dropped the black album, but I'm gonna take my money, okay? I'm gonna take my money. Next, we have NBA champion and gold medalist Harrison Barnes, who is in his 10th season in the NBA. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. to talk business here at Montgomery and Company and in 2019 you made the Forbes highest paid athletes list at number 88 and so I thought that was pretty awesome I want to live vicariously through you so I'm curious was there a celebration like what did you guys do did you even know was it acknowledged like what happens when you make the Forbes list uh well today is actually the first time I'm, I'm hearing about that uh, what so that- <laughs> you were number 88 <laughs> <laughs> nah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, uh, how would I describe that? Um, how do you feel? Then if this is live, then how do you feel about being number 88? That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's, it's not something you really think about. Because I'm just, like I said, I just not finding out now. But now obviously, I think it's a testament to where the game is at. To make this type of money playing basketball based off the hard work that tons of players before me, you know, have done and have made this game popular to where there's a TV deal and teams are worth this much money and players are able to get paid this much money to do that. But I think the other thing with that too, is just the responsibility to be smart about, you know, how you save, how you invest, how you put yourself, your family, your kids, and hopefully your kids, kids in situations to, you know, be successful. No, I love that. And, and, you know, it's crazy because a lot of people don't know the ins and outs of contracts, but, I was traded mid-season before, and I saw something that was a part of one of your contracts. You had a $700,000 kicker that kicked in when you got traded. A lot of people don't know what it's like to be removed from a situation. Like, I was traded, like I said, mid-season. It was very difficult. Snook and the whole fam was there, so it worked out well that they could kind of help me get to my next destination. But can you talk about what it's like, that feeling of leaving an old team where you're connected but having to, like, lock in on a whole nother situation? Yeah, it's crazy. So I remember when I came from Dallas to Sacramento, um, it was literally, you know, we're playing, you know, Wednesday in Dallas versus the Hornets. 
you know, you're kind of locked in on that season. And then I was playing Friday in a Sacramento Kings uniform against the Heat in a totally Crazy. different, you know, vibe, arena. Like in Dallas, we were struggling. In Sacramento, we were trying to make the playoffs at that time. So um, just really having that change up midseason is, is very difficult because, as you know, you know, you come into training camp with the motto, you know, you're grinding with your team. Yeah. You're invested in everything that's going on. You know, younger guys that have come in, relationships that have been built, and all of a sudden it's like, boom, you know, two days later, you're jumping into somebody else's journey, you know, and asked, you know, at that time I was asked to be a starter and to do all these different things. You're just like, man, it's, it's a it's a hard adjustment on the fly. Yeah, you talk about adjustments and you're a guy that I would say probably is great with adjustments considering everything you're doing. You serve on the first National Bank Board of Trustees. You've been an NBA champion, an Olympian. So whenever you're deciding on what different pathways to go to, even when it comes to investment, what draws you to a situation? Well, at this point in my life, the ability to learn, right? Like what situations can, whether it's, you know, investment that I can learn from that also, you know, generate a good return in basketball, what's something that I can learn from while also getting better on the court, off the court, you know, different recovery, different training, all of that type of stuff. So I think, Education is a, is a big part of adaptation because it's like you evolve or you get passed over, right? That's just the nature of our game, the nature of our business. So I think that's the biggest thing. Well, you know, you and your wife, Brittany, have partnered on various organizations to impact the lives of youth, single parents, healthcare workers, you name it. And there's a lot of lives that you guys are changing just by your commitment. But I saw that your wife, Brittany, is a businesswoman as well. She has Good Body, which is where women with deeply textured hair can come feel empowered and inspired. So what's it like seeing your wife handle business? Because, you know, you see, like right now, if you look around, I'm surrounded by businesswomen and we're on the podcast. They're my co-host. So what's it like you, who's a businessman, seeing your wife kill it? No, it was crazy. I think the tipping point for her is we went to D.C. and... Uh, we were out there for a couple of days and she's like, oh, I'm going to get my hair done. And I was like, all right, cool. You know, we had practice in the morning and, you know, she left at like 8 a.m. <laughs> I mean, we went to practice, we came back, you know, I was like four o'clock. I'm like, I haven't seen her. You know, I'm like, yo, you know, everything good. She's like, yeah, I'm still in the chair. You know, go to dinner with the team, you know, still not back yet. Right. Like didn't get what? back to almost like 11. And she was just like, you know, I, I feel like there should be a more professional, like everyone else has professional ways that they can get their hair done. They can have a curated experience or able to yeah. go and, and to get what they need and not have to like succumb to like going to someone's house, someone's basement and they're doing their hair and, you know, dealing with kids, doing all these other things. And so she was like, I want to give, you know, black women that experience that they can say, look, I want to come in at two o'clock. I should be able to get out of here by five. I have a nice curated experience that somebody thoughtfully made with me in mind, you know, to feel good. And, you know, to see her kind of like take that frustration and then turn it into something that like, you know, people are really enjoying and, you know, using and um, seeing just all the, the positivity that's coming from that. I think it's been great. So it's interesting because we all have been in that situation. I remember Snook would take us. That would be the whole day at the hair salon. Snook, you would take us in the morning. Cole, how long would we be there? I mean, it would be... Ooh, eight plus hours. <laughs> so that's why I was... <laughs> you it was know, a whole like, day job. It was a whole day job. A whole day's job. And so when I saw what she was doing and it was a holistic approach, I was like, hopefully, I hope she's franchising and moving them all over because that... <laughs> Franchise. Yes, I'm Please. serious because yeah, we've all sure. experienced that same thing. <laughs> and so even, you know, it's funny the dynamic of whatever happens in your life is kind of what you make into your business or your world. And every time someone talks about you, they 
always talk about like how good of a guy you are. Like it's like they have to say that when they talk about you. Like Harrison Barr, yeah, he's a good dude, man. And then so <laughs> I started to like, you know, I was stalking you and I'm doing research and I'm like, he practices Tito Tito totally hold on. Tetotalism. Do you know what that means? This is on your Wikipedia. I practice that? Wow, that's news to me. I'm, I'm learning a lot today. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you about you today. Okay, so <laughs> that kidding. means, and I botched the word. Snook, do you know how to say it properly? No, I don't, but I know what it means. I, think. I have no idea what it means, so please educate yeah, me. I've never heard of that word. So, Snook, tell us what it means. It means that you do not consume alcohol. Is that true? Wow, okay. See? Uh, so I, so I, I didn't, I didn't consume alcohol until 2015. <laughs> yeah, so tell me about that when you won a championship. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. Yeah, so I, um, growing up, I'd always told my friend, because, you know, you know, we'd have just different discussions. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll probably, you know, drink for the very first time, you know, whenever I win an NBA championship, right? Mind <laughs> you, I'm like deep on the bench at this point, right? Like the idea of me even talking about the NBA was so far from reality. So it was pretty much a sure bet I would never drink. Um, Crazy. But as things went, you know, we're getting to the playoffs, we get to the finals. And Steve Curry had kind of been aware of that. And so we win it, we come back to the hotel, and he's like, yo, we're going to do this first drink right now. And, <laughs> Let's know, get it. He's got this cup here, and I'm like, okay, this is not how I imagined doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, <laughs> what I'm, was I'm in the cup? Wait, what was in the cup? <laughs> yeah, we got to know. We got to know. It was uh, Don Julio in 1942. Oh, we have a year as well. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, yeah. you, went right. you went right. You did it right. <laughs> and so I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, that looks like a double. Like, that doesn't even look like, like what are we talking about here? He's like, no, it's a championship, whatever. So um, after that, that was when I, I started drinking. But up until then, I didn't do it. Yeah, but were you drunk like off the first I mean, if you haven't drank your whole life, I would imagine that no. you're a lightweight. Oh, you was all right? No, that, that whole night, I didn't feel anything. Like, I was, I was so caught up in, you know, the... <laughs> The stare of us winning, you know, you're not sleeping, whatever. So at that point, I was like, oh, like, this drinking thing, like, this makes no sense to me. Like, you know, people were getting hangovers and all of that. And then, like, after the championship, that's when I was able to understand. Oh, because you kept it going. You was fine. Listen, you celebrated that championship. As you look into the season and you see what's going on around you, everyone's talking about different things. And we know that. Obviously, vaccinations is a big part of it. I don't want you to talk about the players necessarily that aren't getting vaxxed, but sports have seemed to lead the way. And especially in 2020, the athletes, you know, we've stood up and kind of took a lead. Do you think that sports can actually kind of shift the culture in that aspect of trends follow sports? And if sports is the trend, do you think that America can kind of follow that trend or what needs to happen for those numbers to get up? Oh, I mean, I think, you know, when you look at, when the NBA stopped playing. I mean, the impact that they had, I think, globally in terms of helping people realize the seriousness of what COVID was yeah. and what that meant and where and where we were at as a society. And I think that with the vaccination, you know, status of the NBA and the protocols and the publicity that that's getting, COVID is going to be something that we're going to be dealing with for a long time, right? Yeah. I mean, we've seen people who are vaccinated that are getting it. We're not in a bubble anymore, so our travel, hotels, games, fans. I mean, there's going to be so much interaction, so many touch points, so many different things that we're going to have to deal with moving forward with this, that it's going to continue to be a discussion. But I think that our role as athletes, our role that we occupy in sports and society uh, really does give us a platform 
to talk to people who maybe don't want to watch the news anymore because they feel like it's biased or maybe they don't want to uh, you know read you know the newspaper or listen to you know a doctor or a politician or a family member they would rather just sit at home and and, and watch their sports as their escape yeah. and as their way to get away so you know i think that we have a responsibility you know however athletes want to cultivate that responsibility to you know, use our platform that, that we have. So you see how well you answered that question. When are you running for office? What is it? The mayor, the governor? <laughs> what? When is it? Who is your roommate? When is it happening? <laughs> like that was like, yeah, yes, nah, nah. Harrison Barnes, 2028. What is it? Like, what are we, <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, I hope I still got some years at 2028. Maybe not though. Man, maybe you're trying, trying to end it. No, I'm not trying to end you. So, okay, my bad. Let's just go to 32. What you tell me then I'm trying to figure out when <laughs> You want to run? Hands up! Well, no, because I'm making a joke in light of it. But what is your nicknames? People call you the what? Uh, the senator. It was, it was by um, Jim Barnett, uh, a great friend of mine. Was doing commentary for the Warriors back in the day, so he called me that. My press conference of my rookie year, and at the time I was kind of like laughing, <laughs> and joke, but he just kept saying it. Like he would just say it, like on air. He would say it in interviews, or whatever, and it just kind of just stuck. So I always get asked that question all the time. People are like, oh, you're going to run for office and things like that. But um, is there any chance that that could possibly happen or is it just and why did he say that in the first place? Like, how did that like, why did he start calling you that? I I, I had, you know, I had a, I don't I, I have no idea. You have to ask him. I really I really don't know why, why he called me that. But, you know, it's something that, you know, you think about. But at the same time, I think that there's a lot of ways that you can affect change out of office as well. Yeah. You know, it's in communities that, you know, you live in, that you're connected to and things like that. So I think regardless of whether I have an official title or not, like that's going to be something that I'm passionate about, even when I'm done playing. I love that. And I always like to ask people and finish with one question. What does generational wealth mean to you? Oh, man, what does generational wealth mean to me? Um, <laughs> I mean, I would say at my rookie year, I had no idea what that meant, right? It's just what every bank tells you uh, that you're going to have someday. But I think now that I'm older, I think it's the opportunity to, you know, give my family, my daughter, you know, who was just born a month ago. Oh, congratulations. You know, the opportunity. Oh, appreciate that. Um, just the opportunity to have a leg up. Um, there's so many you know, challenges that, you know, face black and brown communities on many fronts. Um, and while capital doesn't alleviate a lot of those things, it can definitely help put them in situations, um, give them opportunities to, to be successful. So, you know, I want that for her and, you know, to have the best opportunity possible to do whatever she decides to do. I love that. So I have to ask now, you're a girl dad and that comes with a lot. You know, that comes with that responsibility you talked about. Capital can't change things. You know, women's sports is something that is looking for growth. And so now that you're a girl dad, are you okay? You said only one month. I know there's not much sleeping at that point. Sorry. <laughs> I, I've become very, very efficient at operating on, on almost no sleep. So that's, that's <laughs> one thing. It's like, oh, this is, this is great. This good is great. dad. You're a good dad. Then. <laughs> and so what does it mean to you to be a girl dad? Like, what does that role mean? Oh, man. I mean, it's, it's a crazy responsibility, right? I mean, you look at kind of the world that it is right now, and you're just like, there's so many different things that you just want to try to control. You want to try to make sure that, you know, she can avoid and, and put her in the best positions possible. But you also realize that you can't do that, right? Like, you know, you want to try to pass on as much knowledge as you can. She's going to make whatever decisions that she wants growing up. You know, obviously I would love for her to, you know, 
shoot, be nice at hoop, and then we just, you know, come on, Atlanta stick, Dream, come on, yeah, up. We, just, we just we just stick in that same vein. But like, you know, when she wants to pursue, you know, some other endeavor that I have no expertise in, like I'm a supporter and want her to be great in that and want her to be happy and yeah, you know, flourish in that regard. So I think it, it just makes you more in touch with how little you're in control and how how human you are and just uh just appreciate the little things i love that i love that we love having extra some girl dads in the nba it's always dope it feels like the family's getting bigger now it's time to play a little game we like to call the crossover it's three rounds of games the first round is two truths and a lie so as i'm telling you you need to be thinking of two things that are true about you harrison one thing that is a lie and then the second round will be true or false and the last round it's a little bit of fast money style we ask you one question and you give as many answers as you can in 10 seconds so first thing you have to do for the crossover is the co-host of montgomery and company are my mom which is my snookabooka you see right there my fiance serena right there and then my sister nicole at the top and they're not only co-hosted this podcast but they're also a part of our family business so that's kind of the whole concept we hear so Choose your player, Harrison. Who is your teammate today? Either mom, sister, fiance. Which one you rolling with? I, I mean, can we get some like some win loss records? Like, I don't, I don't know. Okay, <laughs> so oh, since you, you see, athletes like Ooh. the right info. Snook has a one and O record, so there's a one and O record right now, and it's my mother. Oh yeah, I gotta go with the winner then, for sure. <laughs> mom, let's do uh, this. All right, so it'll be Ooh. Team Barnes versus Team Montgomery and Company. Team Barnes is Harrison Barnes and Snookabooka. Team Montgomery and Company is Serena and Nicole. Come on, Sam. First off, on, who's Sam. from Team on, Montgomery and Company? Who's doing two truths and a lie? Uh, I'll go this week. All right, Cole. Let's hear it. <clears throat> okay. Here's my two truths and a lie. I am 5'8". I've been dunking since high school, and I was the first black major at my high school. Okay. Team Barnes, spot the lie. You want me to give you a report on how I evaluate each of those answers? No, you can't evaluate. <laughs> yes, he can. Don't She's evaluate. his teammate. Yep. No, no, break it down for us, yes, yes, please do. Break please it down. <laughs> okay. Uh, number one was high. I don't know about that one. <laughs> Number two was she's been dunking and, you know, Renee's the basketball player in our family. <laughs> Hope that answers that one. And uh, number three, uh, I, I feel is true. So I kind of think number one might be the falsy. Oh, okay. So Snook <laughs> says number one, the 5A is falsified. Wow. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with the number one then. Cole, <laughs> that would be incorrect. I am five you eight. Cole, snuck a book. Of Cole ain't been dunking. No. Uh, look, I am five nine. Mom, you're and not five nine. Oh yes, I am. Is she gonna try to argue? Uh, Wait a minute. Is Snook wow. arguing the height? First of all, the clear <laughs> lie is Cole ain't been dunking. I what? I could touch the rim. I did grab the oh. rim, but I could not get high enough to dunk because I was a high jumper. I was a high jumper. So if she wasn't five eight, then I was like, well, then she might. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe she's five. Cole's she's gotta be like five eleven. Cole is like I thought she was like five ten at least. Yeah, I, when I, I wear heels, I'm like five ten. When I wear heels, the doctor and I was five nine and a half. Snook, Cole is way taller than you. All right, Team Harrison Barnes, <laughs> it is on you and Harrison. 
You need to dish us two truths, one lie. Okay. Oh, man. All right. Is it, wait, it's on me or? Yeah. yeah. We, 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 we want to know about you. We, we need about two you. truths and one lie. And I know senators don't usually lie, but it's okay. <laughs> Just this one time. Just one time. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, uh, let me think. I was in choir. Mm-hmm. I played the trumpet. And I was in marching band. Oh, wow. So this is all the same world. Okay, Team Montgomery okay. and Company. Okay, so he he, he kind of gave us some tricky ones there. Because if you got if you play the trumpet, I'm assuming you have to be in marching band. God, that's what I was so. going to think, too. So I'm thinking the choir is the one. You know what? Yeah, I'm thinking the he choir might be the one. He nodded when he said choir, so I don't know. I don't know. He was like choir. I say we go with choir because two were two were band related and one was not. So I'm almost wanting to say that the choir. Um, what you think? The choir. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're go, we're gonna go with the choir. We're gonna go with the choir. Final the answer: Harrison Barnes was not in the choir. Is that correct? That is incorrect. <gasps> He gave like a little nod when he said I was in the choir. <laughs> so which one was it? Which was a lie? I bet it was number two. I played the saxophone in the marching band. Oh, dang. Not the see that one word. So you did play. See, yep, mom said that one word. So you I knew did he was play. in the marching band. I knew he was getting us with the intro. <laughs> okay, so we got, yeah. so both of y'all laid a goose egg that round. Moving on to the next round. True oh or false. Oh, the true or false round. So this Harrison, you won that round. Don't let them take it from you. <laughs> you won you that round. Win. This is not five. Oh eight. wow, Snook, oh, you can't dispute the person's truth. Okay, you have to believe <laughs> her. Veto. Team Montgomery and Company. <laughs> Harrison invested in Beyond Meat. True or false? Hmm. I don't know. That seems a little bit specific. I say yes. To me. I say yes. Yeah, I, I say think yes. So. Yeah. Final answer. Yes. Harrison, did you invest in Beyond Meat? That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) We got a point. We got a point. Talk about Forbes, baby, okay? That healthy lifestyle, that non-drinking healthy lifestyle, that's what got me right there. Team Barnes, the Sacramento Kings have zero NBA championships as a franchise. True or false? I defer to you, Harrison, on that one. <laughs> this is your franchise. I think, I, I think they have one, but I'm not sure. If we're not counting the Cincinnati Royals, then that is correct. That is true. We do not have any championships. Well, I'm going to have to refer to our researcher, VP. Is that true? Drum roll. So, yeah, as a franchise, they do have one in 1951. Oh, there I is one. one. See, I said one. <laughs> that was the Sacramento Kings or that was the Royals? Well, that's why I'm asking VP to make sure he has his info correct because, no, no, you might be onto something. I don't know how deep he dove because when franchises transition over, their championships carry it with them. So I'm making yeah, sure. Yeah, they keep that record. Harrison, but you fact-checking the fact-checker. The are not in there, I said the Sacramento Kings haven't won Listen, it. That's what I said. So, VP? So, yes, technically the Sacramento Kings haven't won an NBA Finals, but as a franchise, they did win the NBA Finals in 1951 as the Rochester Royals. Uh-uh. Oh. That, that he got it right. He said that literally so he got it right. Wow. He so got it right, though. He so the point right. is one-to-one. So that's one. a technicality. So that's a technicality. So both of you guys, it's one-to-one. Heading into Fast Money, okay? So oh, boy. First team up, Team Barnes. Within 10 seconds, you have 10 seconds from the time that I asked the question to answer as many answers as possible. Jeez. Name as many members of your 2015 championship as you can think of. Go. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andrew Bogut, Andre Godala, Sean Livingston, Andrew Barbosa, Mo Spates, Brandon Rush, Justin Holiday, James McAdoo. Woo! Um, uh, that was 10 seconds? Oh. <laughs> 
Yes, it was only 10 seconds, but you got 12 in 10 seconds. All right, let's go, T. Montgomery and Co. Oh, boy. Yes, you do guys, well this is hilarious. Name as many flowers as you can think of. Go. Oh, my gosh. Marigold. Rose. Marigolds. Uh, sunflowers. Tulips. tulips orchids, tulips. Um. <laughs> Hostas. <laughs> carnation. <laughs> elephant ear. With 13 points to 8 points. Harrison, I love everything you're doing, Senator. We will be voting for you. And thank you for joining us here on Montgomery and Company. No, I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. So Harrison Barnes and his wife, Brittany, recently had a daughter. So he's a girl dad. And on top of being a new mom, his wife, Brittany, also has her own business called Good Body, which is a self-care destination for women of color. What she wanted was women with deeply textured hair to feel empowered and inspired by their beauty. Now, I know we have a gazillion hair stories. Look, we used to get that creamy crack. Okay, we're all pretty much natural at this point. But when we used to get perms and we used to go to the salon, Sam, your mom, Miss Lucy, has Lucy's Dominican (laughs) Salon. We got a lot of hair stories. So in honor of Good Body and Brittany's whole holistic destination, let's talk a little hair. I will say that deeply textured hair is what I actually have. I mean, if if there's ever (laughs) deeply textured hair, my hair would probably be the picture in the actual dictionary. My hair is so textured that it does not grow down. It grows up and so when you have the hair that's as textured as mine it takes a long time to make it come down out the sky so I love the fact that uh, she has a place where you can go and if you like take off your hat people don't go oh my goodness makes everybody feel like you know your hair is beautiful regardless because I could probably scare a couple people if I ever just took my hair out and let it go so I uh, that's my you my, are beautiful <laughs> yes. no matter what no matter they what. say no matter what snookabooka you know we've been at the salon for hours on hours look so you guys know it's me and we have two sisters so that's three heads that need to be done Snookabooka, what is that like with three daughters? Well, when she talks about hair salons, I kind of grew up in one. Both of my older sisters were beauticians back in the day. So I used to live in a hair salon most of the time during the summer because I would be there uh, while they were doing heads. And so consequently, I learned a little bit about, you know, back in the day, we didn't have any creamy crack. We had the hot comb. (laughs) And so at any rate, they would be pressing that hair and using those hot curlers to curl it. So when I went to college, I had inherited some of their equipment, like their hot comb stove and the curlers and the pressing irons. Oh, yeah. So I used to be a bootleg hairstylist, a bootlegger in college. And matter of fact, uh, I think one of your teachers told you that one time, Miss Ellis, that when she was in college, we, she was on my floor, and I was the hairdresser on the floor. I love Snookabooka that. had a side hustle in college, her own little shop. Okay, she was, and if people don't know, by the way, creamy crack just means a perm. So people that perm their hair, the perm actually is white, so it's creamy crack is what they called it. But, hey, that's just me. And, you know, speaking of, Snook, I just realized I had PTSD 
Because as soon as you said that hot comb oh with the stove goodness. thing, I instantly Don't I instantly got tense and tight because <laughs> y'all already know I'm just not I'm not good with that kind of stuff. And so I never wanted my hair done. First of all, they would try to throw me like, well, your hair going to look a mess if you don't get it done. Great. I don't want it to look good. <laughs> I used to always tell them Hoopers don't care about that. Like this is before Hoopers were beautiful because now Hoopers are beautiful as they play. And I'm like, y'all different than us. I was very, very basic when I was playing. I didn't <laughs> want my hair done. I thought that the guys that I was playing with because I played in a boys league, I thought that they would think things about it. Like, oh, look at this girl with her pigtail. So well, let me just tell this real quick story. Break in here. Uh, before you tell that end is that when I would take Renee to get her hair done, she'd come back and be all pretty and curly, and she's coming back to boys' basketball practice. And one day the coach looked at her and said, Renee, you're too pretty to play. You see? Wow. You see what they did? I knew it was coming. And every time, Snook, on the way to the games, what kind of fit was I throwing? I, every time, see, because the worst part was, Game days fell on Sundays, which also was church days. So if it was a church day, that meant I had to be my Sunday's best, which means I had to get my wig split and get my hair done. And that means I had to go to my games with this fresh hair from church. How was I in the car, Snook? Oh, fit to be tied. Fit to be tied. <laughs> And it was so sad because she couldn't help it because she was a pretty little girl anyway. It didn't matter if she put the hair. She would always think the two ponytails were too girly. So she thought That's the one ponytail was going to make it. I said, Renee, you still look the same. You're still pretty. She had this <laughs> no, long, pretty ponytail, no. all these curls. And she said she didn't want the two. She would rather have the one. And I said, it don't make a difference whether it's two on the side or one at the top. You're still Are pretty. Are you kidding it was, me? It, was, it didn't make any difference. I'm going to have to do a, a poll on Twitter be. because you mean to tell me that pigtails are different than a ponytail straight back I could be about my business with a straight back ponytail if I come in there with two ponytails on my head come on y'all not y'all not serious now y'all not serious they, this was the and I had like the colorful bubbles and barrettes the, yeah, on the there bobbles, and like, the bobbles on the, the side bobbles. that's not a hooper that's not a hooper attire and I was like I couldn't get through to anyone in my family it was like they all didn't understand together she was a baby. It didn't calling matter. them with Calling them would be like, no, you look so cute. Yes, and would be like, it's you're beautiful. And I'm like, I don't want to be none of those things going to the game. I want to be a killer. I want to be a hula. And y'all talking about, you look so cute. You're so pretty. We no, 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 that's not the vibe. Yeah, and see, you could. That's so the guys wouldn't take me seriously. That's why I had to. Like, oh, I they was took her seriously. Oh no, they took her seriously. They took her seriously. Don't believe that. Matter of fact, they used to get mad. They used to scream and say they were going to break her arm, and then we have to get into some. Yeah. Applications in the yeah. in the stands and all of that. No, they took <laughs> yeah. it seriously. As a matter of fact, her coach told a story uh, when she had her <laughs> Let's Go Pro camp in uh, Atlanta. He said that his sons were playing, and so Renee had played in one city, and then she came back to play in her home city, and so they had not been <laughs> used to having a girl play on the boys' team, and so. The coach, her, which was ended up being her high school principal, said his son came home and he said, "Dad." We have a girl on the team. And he said he told her, oh, y'all be, you know, nice. She's a girl or whatever. <laughs> you know, don't be mean and don't be doing boy things and, you know, make her feel uncomfortable. He said his son looked at him and said, Dad, that girl can kick our butts. <laughs> <laughs> be nice, yeah, so long story short. With the ponytails. 
Oh, with the pigtails. Long story short, when we talk about hair, I just realized in this moment, shouts to Good Body and shouts to Brittany Barnes and shouts to Harrison Barnes. Yeah, and I was I mean, going back to, to the company, you know, it's about time that people pick up on the natural hair movement, you know, because my mom, she's been having a, a hair salon for 30 plus years and it's always been about how you can straighten your hair. How can you straighten your hair? How can you straighten your hair? And like up until a few years ago, people didn't really start taking care of their curl pattern and so everything was so damaging with the heat and everything and then it messes you know your hair is probably like curly in the top and then straight in the bottom or something my hair is curly my hair does not stay straight so you know like like just seeing more women catering to natural hair and just curl patterns you know it's about time that people get up on the movement and and start making (laughs) products geared towards towards curl patterns which is why I don't even understand why you straighten your hair because you have a beautiful curl pattern Sam has a natural (laughs) like California sunshine girl Curls. Like, yeah, it's just like, and then she straightens up, like, oh, she straightened her hair. <laughs> like, it was curly. Get you a girl that can do both. Okay, yes, well, yes. Yes. listen, she was, but to that point, you know, we all know about Dominican blowouts. You know, like, that's a term that people use, like, I've had a one. Dominican blowout. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's, everybody knows about that. Shay used to travel wherever we traveled to whatever city she was looking for a Dominican shop so she can go get a hey. blowout. So, yep. you know, uh, that, you know, you all are famous for, them straight, straight, straight blowouts. Definitely. I mean, you know, yeah. they fly away when you finish with that blowout. So, yeah. You know. yeah. So you can imagine, like a lot of people in my family, like they have. Well, my sister and I, we have really, really curly hair. But a lot of people in our family that have really, really straight hair. So as soon as they see a little curl, you know, go up, is the flat iron makes sure that everything is, is bone straight. You know, because like like you said, Dominicans they they love. Snook the, says, the bone "Look like the cat hair. done sucked it." What is that term? What does that even mean? <laughs> Okay. That means that it's so straight. You know. It- <laughs> oh, is that a bad term? <laughs> no, no. It's saying like I don't know if you know because you don't like animals, but when animals lick, they make it like really straight. Like they make it really, really straight, and it's laced. Oh, okay. So that's Cole, what she's saying. You- Cold timeout. Did you just say you don't know if I know about this because I don't like animals? <laughs> You're not a. You- <laughs> Let me go back for the PETA people. Renee is not a pet person she's just not a person no. who well, indulges in pets N- number one is because she has a lot of allergies <laughs> but number two i have the worst allergies number two and she number just, two she just doesn't want to be bothered stinks. oh well i no. didn't know if that mattered no, but she was traumatized by preacher and deacon just just go ahead yeah. and put it out there yeah well we had a couple dogs yeah we did but they were very protective of renee and she could not do what she wanted to do they would not allow her to go where she wanted to go or to get into danger and she did not appreciate it so from then on and she kind of just gave up on the animal kingdom. So it was me versus dogs. Y'all got to remember. See, I just realized this is good. Podcasts are good for emotional things. I realized I had PTSD about the hair. And now I realize that I have some type of emotional thing about dogs because when I was young, it was me versus dogs in a sense of if I wanted to do something, preacher and deacon are rolling me out the way, pushing me out the way, like blocking, blocking the doors. Yes. I can't do what I want to do. And you know, kids want to run around and play. I couldn't just run around and play. The dogs was making sure I was safe at all times. They saw danger at every turn with me. So maybe that did have something to do with me growing up i am allergic their breath does stink though so i like you know the the people that kiss the dogs in the mouth that's like wow i'm just going like so for me that's it's a no it's a no for me but i don't want to see any animals harmed i just want to throw that out there i'm just saying that but i do not want an animal like 
personally. Yes. If you yeah, have an animal, we're that's for allergic, you. allergic, so we can't have animals anyway. So. Oh, can you imagine Sam in here with that dog? Oh, I my can. goodness. She has bad seasonal allergies. No, I have year-round allergies. Yeah, she has year-round allergies. I'm allergic to life. I even went and got one of them little tests where they poke you. Y'all are allergic to planet Earth. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Allergic to planet so Earth. you think okay. we're going to have some other little beings walking around in here just giving off other allergens? And the first thing people always tell me, there's hypoallergenic dogs. And I'm like, I sneeze around mm-hmm. them, too. So yep. I don't know what that means, but I sneeze around those same dogs, too. Oh, yep. my goodness. Me, too. Me, too. But I digress. Long story short, Brittany! Yes for good body. Congratulations. We need it. We've been in the salon for 10 hours at a time, 20 hours at a time. It's highly needed. And thank you for doing it. up next we have founder and ceo of gutter jasmine crow Jasmine, we all know hunger is a huge problem, but I love how you look at it as a logistics problem. You started with Sunday Soul Homeless Feeding and ended up with a whole company in Gooder. So what do you mean by hunger is a logistical problem? I think what I mean by hunger is a logistics problem is every year in the United States, we are wasting about 80 billion pounds of perfectly good food. So what that says to me is that the idea that we need to grow and produce more food to feed the hungry and to feed this growing population is really not an issue of scarcity, right? Because we're wasting 80 billion pounds of perfectly good food. To me, it's about how do we get this food that's otherwise going to waste to people that need it. And the only way to do that is through logistics. It has to be delivered. It has to go far and wide. It has to hit rural communities, cities, communities that most people don't go into. And that's logistics. That's interesting. So Gooder solves the surplus food supply chain problem. So I'm curious who or what, we always talk about businesses here in Montgomery and Company, startups, founders, who in your inner circle or was it just you gave you the confidence to, you went from having a nonprofit to starting a company? Like where, where did that come from? You know, I think I saw early on that businesses were already paying to throw this food away. And I think as soon as I saw that, I thought, okay, this is a waste company that I'm building. You know, at the end of the day, I'm working on solving hunger. That's my biggest goal. But businesses were paying to throw perfectly good food away. And I could build for them an opportunity to get this food from landfill instead of to people that need it or to animal feed or to compost. And not only was it better for people, it was better for planet. And I just needed to see the business case in the solution. I think I was just inspired really by everybody in the growing tech industries, but also just entrepreneurs, period. So even as someone who grew up in the nonprofit social impact space, I still had a business, you know, and I tell nonprofit leaders all the time, even if you're running a nonprofit, you still have to operate. You still have to make money. You still have to, whether that's donations or, you know, getting funding for your program, you've got to set goals. So even in that space, I still saw myself as a businesswoman, but now I'm like in the startup space. So it's a little different. 
No, you're right. You know, we have a, a foundation here, the Renee Montgomery Foundation. It's a 501c3. Nicole, as you see sitting there, runs it. It is a business. You do have to function that way. <laughs> but with Gooder, you've collected and donated more than 2 million food items worldwide and fed wow, over 80,000. So, crazy. yeah, I know. Like, come it's on beautiful. with it. Like, we love that to see beautiful. it. And humbly, I have to say, those numbers are really old right because we are well over that now yay that's wow. even better <laughs> that's even <Listen>. better okay <laughs> that's a great thing so what's your connection in the tech world i'm just curious because you meshed that in your problem solving so do you have any tech connection tech background where did that part come from yeah i have absolutely zero tech background so i'm not a technical <laughs> founder but i was really inspired at the emergence of the food delivery apps right so your door dashes your grub hubs you know and i started thinking wow, there are so many different technologies being built for people like you and I to get food faster, but who's going to build something for the have-nots, right? What's being built for the people that don't know where their next meal is coming from? I'm looking at four different companies in Grubhub, Uber Eats, DoorDash, and Postmates all doing the same thing, but where was the technology that was going to help the person who didn't know what they were going to eat tonight? And hmm. so that's where that kind of technology inspiration came from. And then I started hanging out at Georgia Tech. I entered a hackathon and ironically, the hackathon was for gentrification and Technically, hunger didn't really coexist. But what I decided was when neighborhoods are gentrified, you know, Whole Foods comes in, Kroger goes out. And for people that are still left in those communities, they can't afford a Whole Foods. And so you're you're really leaving them almost in a food desert because you're putting access to food around them that is something that they often can't afford. And so long story short, I got into the hackathon under that pitch and I got a prototype built from students at Georgia Tech. And I used that prototype for a whole year to enter pitch competitions before I ever had the technology. I really just had like this dream of it was a clickable prototype, Renee. So it didn't work. It didn't do anything. And it was the dream of what it could do that I used to raise the money to actually launch Gooder. That's crazy. I love the grind. And so I'd love to hear because now, you know, I recently announced that I'm going to be a general partner at Valor Ventures. But I want to ask you your journey because you're a black founder. How has it been trying to receive funds for your project and get Gooder off of the ground? Yeah, I mean, it's been so hard. I think if you're going to be a senior partner, Renee, you've heard this and I'm happy that you're going to be a senior partner because maybe you could change this. But, you know, black women are receiving less than one percent of all venture capital. So, like, you know, there's 100 percent then there's one percent and there's less than that. And so we fall in at around zero point zero six percent. It's very hard. I think when I first raised a million dollars, you know, I became maybe like one of the 35th or 40th black women to ever do so, which at the time, a lot of people applauded that. But I thought that was terrible because venture capital has been around for a long time. Myself in 2018 should not be number 35 to 40. It's been harder to raise the amount of money that my male and my white male counterparts raise. But I'm hopeful that we'll find the right venture partners to do this with us. I think the other thing that Gooder runs into is that we're trying to solve this really big age old problem. And we sometimes go up against the old guard, people that think, oh, hunger can only be solved via food banks or food pantries, or people that think hunger is already solved because as I am raising venture capital from very rich, to be frank, white males, they've never been hungry. And when I'm talking to them about 54 million people that don't know tonight 
where their next meal is going to come from. They're going to go to bed hungry tonight and wake up hungry tomorrow morning. They've never felt that. And so a lot of times it's hard to get them to be like, okay, this is something that I want to solve. There's money in solving this. I, you know, I think we saw Elon Musk a couple of days who said, listen, I'll sell Tesla stock right now if $6 billion would solve hunger. Yep. And you know, I want the United Nations to show us. You know, I wish that tweet would have came to me because I would have been able to say like, listen, <laughs> this is the plan. But I'm happy that you have one of these wealthy billionaire white males wanting and talking about the, the amount of money that it takes to solve a big problem. So when people come to me and, and venture capitalists say, I don't think hunger is, is a big enough problem or you know, I don't see there's how there will ever be money in that there is truth in that this is a big problem and that I can't solve. It all goes back to everything needs to, I guess, make a profit and make money. So if they're not gaining a profit from it, I guess it is difficult to convince people to invest into that because it, it ties into the philanthropy side of it. So the venture capitalist world is a lot of what can we get out of it, or basically kind of thing. So yeah, I think what we've built at Gooder is we've built a profitable business that does do something good. And I think that that is because the idea is that you can only do good as a nonprofit or as an NGO. Venture capitalists don't see that. But in fact, Gooder, we have raised in capital about $2 million. And we now do that sometimes in a month. Okay. Right. Talk your right. talk, Jasmine. Let's go. <laughs> right. But it is profitable, you know, and, and million, hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars get spent on solving hunger, but it's often that it's going to the nonprofit realm. Whereas if you gave that same money to a business that every dollar they make is tied to the impact that they give in a community, you'll see that we really can not only make money doing it, but we'll make more impact. So the same amount of money that's getting spent and just donations, you can actually put behind a real business to solve that problem. And it can be profitable and impactful at the same time. Yeah, that's amazing. So you created a different model where you can solve a problem and make profit at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I look at us as a triple bottom line. You know, we are for profit, but we're also for people and for planning. That's awesome. That is awesome. I love that. That is and awesome. You, Listen, it doesn't stop there, okay, Jasmine? <laughs> the, you've also authored a children's book called Everybody Eats, and I love that because as I talked about, even in the venture capital world and not everybody's eating you talked about the less than one percent for black people and then there's minorities and then there's just women in general the numbers are low and if we even go to the latin group that's that's even lower than the black like all of the numbers are low all women for women in total it's less than two percent so no matter what women period are hurting so that that lets you know renee if you're looking at this big pie two percent is carved out for women and then every race of women is within that two percent trying to get our little little piece of the pie little piece of the pie so what's the lesson in everybody eats what are you talking to the kids about then in the children's book yeah i love the the book is basically me and it's just my ted talk adapted into a children's book and the protagonist in the story her name is carter and really she's volunteering with her mom and dad at a food bank one weekend and as they're giving food away to family she happens to see a friend of hers from school and so she was kind of shocked that like another kid is going hungry and she 
she's like, why doesn't my friend have food? And she goes on this journey to talk to, you know, restaurants and grocery stores in her school about donating their food to food banks and also directly to people so that everybody eats. So that's kind of the idea is that with one in six children in this country experiencing hunger every single day and for black and brown children, that's one in three. A lot of times you never know your kid can know another kid that goes hungry. And it's just a conversation a lot of times as parents, we don't often have. And so this book makes that conversation kind of digestible, but also inspires kids to fight hunger. That is great. You are a social entrepreneur. And while you're building your empire, you're feeding families. And we talk about generational wealth and inheritance all the time because there's an intentionality that some cultures have and some don't. And we want to bring that to the forefront. So I always like to ask guests on the show, what does generational wealth mean to you? You know, I am a new mom. And so I think about generational wealth all the time because it's something that I didn't have growing up, right? I think about Renee when I needed and wanted to start my company. My parents having just gotten divorced, put my sister through college. I didn't have the ability to go say, dad, you know, I need $10,000, you know, not even a million dollars, right? I need $10,000 to get my business off the ground. And so I want to make sure that that is no longer the norm for people that look like me. All of us should be able to go to our parents and get investments in our ideas because we've done right with our money. So I think about just making it easier for the person that comes after me and my legacy, which happens to be my daughter, that she has in this generation and after her, it is the norm that, you know, she has savings, she has, you know, money, she travels, she's able to educate herself without having to take student loans. So just the idea that I can leave something behind for her that she can leave behind for someone else. And that's the other reason that it was important to me to begin a legacy in building a company that can create generational wealth. And it's not to say that nonprofits can't, but nonprofits could be around or foundations can be around to do good. I wanted to build something from a wealth creation standpoint that my child and generations after her could actually eat off of. Yes, congrats on being a new mom. Yes, congrats on being a new mom. That's everything we talk about. Like you literally summed up everything we talk about to the sense of passing along something to build on for the next generation and then they pass on something we talk about it my nephews my son we want them to be able to have something that they can grow into as other cultures do have that we want to start building that here so jasmine crow founder and ceo of gooder thank you so much for coming and joining yes. us on montgomery and company that is beautiful praise god for your work thanks renee and team and company should i say <laughs> you guys have a great day and you know kudos to you for what you're doing and keep telling everybody about generational wealth okay so for black history month you guys know that we always say it's a generational thing around here and it really is and black history is a generational thing it's not a one generational thing we're learning things about our past generation that hopefully we don't repeat in this generation even though we have before Another thing about Black History Month is that I hope that we don't have to continue to teach the same lessons over and over again. I hope that something that's learned this Black History Month in 2023, we don't have to teach that. So as always, it's a generational thing over here. So share your generational traditions, share your generational cultures, share everything because that's how we'll progress. Let's not divide each other. Let's stay together. Montgomery and Company, it's a generational thing. 
Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.